Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA. It is Tuesday morning. Joining me from Austin, Texas. Yes, he's a guitar, cartographer. Cartographer. How's what's the proper way to say it? Yes, he, he went to Harvard. Yes, he's a college professor at the University of Texas at Austin. He's also the trophy specialist at ESPN.com. <laughs> Kirk Goldsberry. What is up? I just want to shout out some student athletes from the University of Texas who went up to Omaha this weekend, the University of Texas women's volleyball t- team, and, and came home champion. So shout out Logan Eggleston and Jermaine O'Neal's daughter, Asia O'Neal, one of the leaders of that team for winning a national title up in your neck of the woods, Brian. That's right. They're devastated that the University of Nebraska, one of their best players, suffered an ACL tear right at the end of the season. And crushed nebraska volleyball's hopes of winning a national championship another national championship they've won a number of them in their backyard here in omaha but uh high high crowds and high level by the way high level uh women's volleyball you can make fun of me all you want i don't care uh it's very big out here in nebraska they play great uh texas played louisville i think in the yep. national title game no which high was level- marcus spears daughter playing for I'm not I thought his daughter was playing for one of the teams. Well, if you play for uh top women's volleyball in college, it's yeah. an incredible sport to watch. Make fun of me if you want. That's fine. I don't care. I agree, Brian. Yeah. Uh joining us from Las Vegas, where he's at the G League showcase, which is really um uh, become a mid-season sort of um executive meetings, and a lot of us. Uh, Tons of scouts go, not so much to see the G-Leaguers, but um, also to see the international uh, guys who play at the NBA academies who are in from all over the world, the potential draft picks, and of course, the G-League Unite, Scoot Henderson, etc. is Mark J. Spears from Manscaped. Hello, Mark. Good morning. Doesn't sound like Scoot Henderson is going to be playing. I was talking to Jonathan Gavoni yesterday. No. Um, Oh, I was told he just started. Yeah, go ahead. Start. But I was told he just started practicing two days ago, and it's not, he's not there yet. So, Scoot Henderson plays for the G League Unite. We all got to see him when he played against Victor Wimbanyama in October in those showcase games that were on uh, ESPN. Um, he's only played six games. He's played really, really well. He's only played six games for the G League Ignite because he had this terrible mid-air collision with Leandro Balmaro, who's uh, with the Jazz. He was with the Jazz G League team. He was in that trade, that Gobert trade. The Jazz got him. They smacked into each other. I don't know if it was on an alley-oop play or going for a rebound or whatever, and uh, Scoot like suffered a nasal fracture, and he hasn't played in a month. And everyone was hoping he'd be ready to go for the G League showcase, and he's not. Uh, Do you think, think he practicing- needs to? I don't think he needs to, but I. But some some folks were were grumbling in a, in a just a strange way. They were like, you know, the league office gets on us for being too conservative with players with injury, you know, not bringing them back, you know, holding them out of you know major television events and everything. And now the league office is the one running the G League Ignite. We all want to see Scoot <laughs> Henderson, and they're saying, oh, we have to be careful. We have to do right by the player, which of course is fine. They're just saying it's funny. That now, yeah. now that when the league has control and protection of the players, oh, now that's a priority, but not when we have it anyway. So you're saying so, the league should find itself? 
I'm just saying <laughs> that's what folks are saying is the irony about it's easy to say get the player out there when it's not your responsibility to take care of the player, I think is the point. I don't think Scoot Henderson has to do any more. I do think he's going to be the number two pick in the draft, and I don't think when Minyama has to do any more. He just played in front of a number of NBA scouts over the weekend in Paris, and the teams are all du- the teams are all double and triple teaming him now, and he's now like putting up triple doubles or near triple doubles because he, he has to pass the ball. He can probably shut it down too and easily be the number one pick. But from what I understand, shut it down in Vegas. Yes, you're right. From what his agent Buna Njai is saying. Uh, and actually I talked to Rudy Gobert about this last week in LA when I saw him, uh, I don't think Victor has it in him to shut it down. I think he's going to keep playing in the French league. He only plays once or twice a week. So, but anyway, that's where Spears is in Vegas. Kirk Spears had a story that came out. Was it Monday? I feel I can't losing track in my head. You went with Chris Paul to his graduation last week at Winston Salem state which was an interesting story. And I wondered if you could just detail. So you and I were at this Suns Lakers game Clippers. on Suns Clippers on Thursday night, last Thursday night at crypto.com arena. It was not much of a game. The Clippers rested everybody. Paul George and Zubach got injured. Suns blew them out. Suns were on a losing streak. They needed the win. Okay. You're at the game. Tell me yes. about you. Tell me about your next, like, you and Chris Paul's next, like, 12 to 16 hours. Um, so I get at the arena at halftime, and I have, you know, my suitcase and my backpack trying to go as little as possible, but I got big clothes. I got a suit. So <laughs> uh, I, I connect with uh, Gene, uh, the amazing security guy Chris Paul has, who's everywhere. He's been with him since his Clippers days, right? And he's like, yeah, um, meet me in the loading dock. So I go to meet him in the loading dock this with my post-game. stuff. Yeah, post game. And I'm starting to get nervous, man, because I don't see him. You know, and I'm like, Chris wouldn't leave me. <laughs> <I'm thinking> like, <laughs> <laughs> and eventually, like, Gene came and found me. He's like, man, you're in the wrong area, the wrong area to loading dock. I'm like, hey, man, I don't really get this kind of access. So... <laughs> I apologize for that. So I get in this car with him, Chris and his wife, and, you know, we're driving to the airport and it was just amazing. He was just like talking about how he gets so little time with his family and how as excited as he was for the graduation, he was more excited to be with his family for 10 days. And he's like, the assumption is that since he lives in Phoenix and his family lives in LA, that he just goes all the time and, he takes private jets all the time. And he's like, man, you know how much these private jets take? Cost. <laughs> and he's like, well, Southwestern. <laughs> yeah, but he, he, what he, how he explained it to me is like his kids are like preteens now. So they got activities. Like, right. They don't really have time for them. So he's like, you know, the, 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 Monty doesn't give him a schedule in advance. He might say the night before, all right we'll give you guys uh tomorrow off or whatever. But by the time he gets home, his kids are at practice for soccer or basketball. Right. And then they got homework. And so he doesn't really have to get a lot of time with them. So he actually went a month before he saw him uh, 
uh, for Thanksgiving, but he was really excited about that. And we get to the airport in Van Nuys and it's this plane, man, this Gulfstream G something amazing. I know it wasn't cheap. 12 seater wood grain gold trim plane. And uh, so we go on there and Kirk, this thing was so fast. It was like flying on pillows, man. It was so soft the way it flew. Three hours and 40 minutes from Van Nuys to Winston-Salem. So we landed overnight. I mean, you're losing, you're losing three yeah. hours. So it's losing you're still hours. going overnight, even though it's fast. It's, it takes some yeah. hours to get there. Yeah. So I, I don't sleep well on planes. And then I'm also worried that I don't want to be snored <laughs> in front of these people, <laughs> you know, embarrassing myself. Uh, so it's like Chris, his wife, his two kids, his brother, CJ brother and his CJ's wife. Their two kids, uh, a guy named Bob, great. You might know him from his connection with Dwayne Wade, photographer, videographer. Oh, yeah. Bob Matulis. Um, yeah, and and myself. Um, and Shout then, out to Bob Matulis, one of the great guys involved yeah. around the NBA. Yeah, great, amazing dude. Had a good time hanging out with him. So we get in at 6.30 in the morning. They whisk us to the Marriott Hotel at 6.30. And CJ Paul's like, all right, we're leaving at 8 30. I was at 8 15. I was like, dang. So I get to the room, close my eyes for 30 minutes, jump up, take a shower, get dressed, get into the lobby, go into concierge lounge, go right to Marriott. So I'm getting my points for the two hours, right? <laughs> this should be and, clear. You're checking out at 8 15. You're not like, okay, we're going to the graduation and then we'll be back at five. No, che- I'm checking out at eight because I got to be there at 8 15. You were in the hotel for 90 an hour minutes. And a half. Yeah. The lady at the front desk is kind of looking at me like, wait, you I just checked you in. I like listen, yeah. I don't you don't ask no don't ask any yeah. questions about <laughs> yeah, because the graduation started at nine. Excuse me, miss. I didn't need the hotel room for an hour and a half for any other reason than just prepare for a graduation. Don't judge yeah. me. <laughs> so yeah, the graduation started at 9 45. So Kurt, this is crazy. I go get a coffee in the concierge lounge. I get out. Chris is in a booth in the restaurant with this woman and she's really emotional like what's going on apparently a couple days earlier a student female student had an argument with a teacher another teacher called campus police and they arrested the girl yeah the it it unfortunately viral i saw the video pretty rough treatment of her uh bent her arm back pretty badly to the point where her arm almost could have been broken. Chris found time to speak to this woman before he went to his graduation. In his hour and a half at the hotel that he had. Yes. Spent like a half an hour with her. Talked to her, took pictures with her. Then I go in a car with him, me and Bob. And um, he was shook. He was like really emotional. So he had to like calm down. He said his skin was crawling. Um, he's really taken aback by what she had said. And um, so he had to like get his, you know, back into the spirit of graduating. Uh, gets to the graduation. First thing the chancellor does is like, hey, I know you're giving these kids this $2,500 gift. 
can you come on stage? Can we highlight yeah, so you? He gave every one of the uh, graduates with him twenty five hundred dollars. Yeah, as a graduate, like a bank account. Yeah, and he's like, no, I want to do everything everybody else is doing. I don't want the spotlight on me. I just want to be another student. Where are they at? Because I need to get in line. And they're outside, thirty eight degree weather. He goes, stands out there, just like walks out, like in his cap. I'm Christopher E. Paul. I've graduated. Like he's not CP. He's <laughs> he's Christopher E. Paul. Well, he is CP, but everybody called him Christopher E. Paul to make him feel better. <laughs> yeah. Goes in line, takes pictures with everybody. Just at, at some point, the students are like, just all right, I took my picture already. And then they kind of like let the like relaxed. And he had a pretty normal experience. Um, went through the graduation and as soon as he gets over across the stage, and just so you know, the by the way, the choir was amazing. Um, he goes across <laughs> the stage, and the PR lady grabs him and whips him out of the arena, the gym. It's like a hockey gym. She's like, where are we going? She's like, I'm taking you to the press conference. Press conference? She's like, yeah, we're, we're across the street where Winston-Salem, I mean, where Wake Forest plays, there's, there's going to be a press conference. He's like... Okay, but when is it? It's after the graduation. Wasn't the chancellor still in there? Because he's part of this, right? She goes, yeah. Well, I'm going back to my seat. If he ain't leaving yet, why am I leaving? Turns <laughs> around and goes back to his seat. Okay. Like he, when I got my master's from LSU, I, I was, I snuck my way out. They, <laughs> to go to your hit. press conference. <laughs> no, to go to my car and drive home. <laughs> Like after I got, you know, when you get your master's, I'm not, you know, trying to shout out me, but when you get your master's, you're first, right? Kurt? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you get your, get like your the hood, doctors, right? the doctors are first, then the masters. There's like five Kirk, did million. You, Kirk, when you got your uh, advanced degrees, did you immediately leave Harvard? I didn't, I didn't even show up. I didn't walk, uh, not because oh I didn't God. want to, but I wasn't on the right cadence. Uh, I was, you know, you picture the springtime on campus. I think I finished my degrees like late in summer one time and then the winter some other time. So no, I didn't, I didn't do that. I've been to so many graduations though, as a professor that, uh, I'm picturing this all in my head. I'm so interested in spirit story. Keep going, dude. <laughs> so he, he goes back and he, uh, he sits in his seat just like everybody else. And then once it's over, he does this press conference. Even at the press conference, he said, hey, there's other students here. Nobody else asked anybody else questions. They wanted just Chris Paul questions. But his mom, upon his arrival to the press conference, which is always also where he used to play basketball at Wake Forest, which is also where they had this uh, soul food reception afterwards with all his <laughs> friends and family including former NFL head coach Jim Caldwell. He was there. He um, got two hours with them. His mom was overjoyed. Mom and dad really overjoyed because he, he had made them a promise. And, and we have a video coming out of this whole thing. And little Chris, his son, told me he wanted to be quoted. And he was just really proud of his dad. And he's like, yeah, you know, after I make it to the NBA, I think I'm going to go to HBCU too. <laughs> <laughs> it was really cute, but maybe if he does do that, I'll be like, look at this video we had, right? Right. Um, <clears throat> and then just like that, it's two o'clock. We're driving 
back. I'm in the car with his wife. And uh, he starts doing this reminiscing, man. It's like, these are all the cigarette factories. You know, Salem Cigarettes, Marlboro, Winston say, I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, we grew up around this. Like, all my people worked in them. And he said he met the uh, Marlboro man as a kid. <laughs> like, the Marlboro <laughs> man. <laughs> he Marlboro gave a pack of smokes. <laughs> yeah. He, he said he, he take up. a... They did a fit, uh, field trip to like Barbara wow. or something like that. Wow. Then he talked about how he he went to this club. It's not like this he's 75. To... He's like 37. It's yeah, not like yeah. that far in the, in the past. But then he was telling stories like, yeah, that club right there. Yeah. I don't go to any clubs no more because some guy tried to fight me in there, man. So I'm not I'm not doing clubs anymore. That fried chicken club best fried chicken in the world like he's going on this old reminisce thing on the way back to the airport my grandma used to live over there my grandfather's uh service station was over there it was it was it was beautiful man then we get in the um the jet he has his vegan food from a local place ate it knocked out <laughs> i'll bet he was so what yeah. time did you leave that whole whirlwind to leave he had to go back to phoenix because yeah they had one off day before another game he did yeah. all this like on an off day yeah and and it was interesting his his amazing security guy gene was like telling cj hey we have the right food on the way back right that he needs we have the not enough water for hydration like you got a game tomorrow like his his security guys almost also will seem like he has other roles he's like right you got to make sure that when he comes back he's like replenished and i asked chris i'm like you gonna be okay tomorrow he's like man i play my best basketball with my family around me I'm going to watch the movie with him. When I get back, I'll be fine. And he played great on Saturday, but parents flew back too. Um, it was it was cool. It was yeah, cool they finally to be beat a fly the for that. He had one yeah. of his best games of the year. Yeah. <laughs> one of his he, best games of the year. I, I mean, I don't know if we could. He was telling me, he's like, look at my stats in L.A. They're always good. I always have good stats in L.A. Because he's like, I'm home. I'm relaxed. And he told me the story too. He said the day before, he said, I'd never hang out the day before uh, a game, but he said the night before he hung out with like Cedric the Entertainer and Marcellus Wiley for the Clippers game. Marcellus Wiley one of the biggest Clipper fans in the world. Yeah. And he's just saying that, but he's like, when he's home, he said he could, he could do a little more, but he's relaxed because he's around his family. And I, well, I could tell just how important family was to him during that. You know, world Spears wrote this all hours. this whole story. I mean, he's just telling us part of it. He wrote the whole story yeah. up. Uh, it's on Anscape. It published. It's on ESPN too, but it's on Anscape. And um, yeah, it's a long story. I'm it. sorry for rambling on. No, no, was... I man, no, we loved it. Um, check it out. Uh, we had tight times. So just want to keep moving. I wanted to turn the page a little bit to take a look at a team that um, has been the hottest team in the NBA, and that's the that's the Brooklyn Nets. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, 
as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. They won 10 of their last 11 games, Kirk, um, to move into fourth place um, in the East. Uh, Kevin Durant, they've won six in a row uh, within that. Um, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have been hitting teams with one-two punches. And one of the things I've looked at is the Nets have gone up and down this year is I always look at their defense. If you listen to this pod, I'm like, well, they're 30th in defense. Well, then they're such their second in defense. What actually makes me think that this could be a little bit sustainable is that during the stretch of 11 games, they're, they're 13th in the NBA in defense. That's not, that's something that they possibly can maintain. If they were like first playing an easy schedule, I'm like, well, they don't have the talent to be first on defense. This isn't going to hold, but they are num- number one. They are healthy. Number two, they're getting good play from Nick Claxton at center. They have Ben Simmons in there, so they, you know, they're never going to be bulky, so they're going to struggle with rebounds. And at the highest level, we can talk about whether we think they're going to, they're actually going to be able to defend at the highest level against the Milwaukee's and the Boston's. But you have to admit that after everything they've been through, and I posited the question in mid-November whether this team needed to, when Kyrie was suspended and everything was going sideways again. I posit whether they should consider, you know, blowing this thing up because the, the, the swap that they had with the Rockets, this was the most advantageous year to have the swap and they held it together. And for the time being, we all have to qualify it with everything for the time being, because it's the way this team is, they got it going on. Uh, what have you seen from the nets in the stretch? And do you think it's something that they can hold together? Yeah, I think it's fair to say uh, for the time being, the volatility is always a character in this saga. But, you know, since firing Steve Nash or or parting ways with Steve Nash, however, we're saying that on November 1st, Brian, you laid it out really nicely. They're 17 and seven. Only the Celtics in that time have a better record. That's a pretty big chunk of the season. Uh, I think Jacques Vaughn is the name that I'd like to give some shine to right now. Uh, I think his his influence both as a tactician and a leader uh, changing the whole vibe there. I, I think he deserves a lot. And I think he's emerging simply put as a, a coach of the year candidate from taking this bus that was broke down in the ditch and getting it to this highly competent outfit. I, I think you're, you're right to zoom in on defense. Um, Jacques has done a couple of things. Patty Mills is out of the rotation, Brian. Seth Curry is playing less than ever. And, and really what I've studied around them is they're going to rotations where there's a litmus test almost. Are you going to help this team on defense and on the glass? Uh, and if the answer is no, you're out of the rotation or you're playing less than you used to. So I think Jacques Vaughn is the first person who deserves a lot of credit. Second is Kevin Durant, uh, who's not only shooting and scoring like a demigod, like we've come to expect, but his defensive leadership has been elite. We can come back to that in a second. The third one is Claxton. 23 years old, leads or second in the league in, in block shots. And along with Durant is a huge reason why this defense has come back from the dead. Um, let me give you a, a nerdy stat that I love about Claxton and Durant, these long, lean defenders that are now providing the Nets with sort of a signature 
thing here on defense. Both Claxton and Durant rank in the top 10 in the NBA in total shots defended as the closest defender. But among the 17 players that have defended at least 400 shots, Brian, these dudes rank first and second in, in effective field goal percentage allowed. In other words, they're volume shot defenders. And when opponents are challenging them with shots, they're not going in. Uh, that is their, their signature defensive element right now. Uh, it's a massive point of pride on the side of the court where they needed one. They still foul too much. They still can't rebound. Uh, but they now rank ninth in the NBA in defensive efficiency, as you laid out, since Jacques has taken over. So for me, what I'm seeing is a simple formula emerging. Kevin and Kyrie provide offense, surround them with complementary role players that can get stops and make a few plays on both ends, whether that's Ben Simmons, um, Royce, um, TJ Warren is somebody I'm really interested in, how, he, how they're going to yeah. fit him in. After uh, two but, years, TJ Warren is playing. <laughs> yeah, the, the bottom line here, Spears, Brian, is since November 1st, this team looks like a contender, period. From a TMZ headline to a contender, how remarkable is that? Yeah, yeah TJ no, Warren I, is I, actually contributing, ahead. which he hasn't played in two years. Go ahead, Spears. No, I, at the G League showcase yesterday, I saw general manager – or what is he president? Sean Marks. And I uh, think he's general manager, but if he's president, I apologize for not. I, I don't know what it is. He runs basketball operations. Yeah. And uh, Jeff Peterson, I believe, is a GM or assistant GM. And they just, I said, oh, you guys look relaxed now. <laughs> but, but to, you know, Sean's credit, I saw him at Summer League and he, he, he looked pretty relaxed then. I said, but no telling what you were doing behind the scenes. But I, I like just winning cures all ills, man. And um, they just, uh, you know, I just think how like crazy these last couple of months been for Sean Marks. Like, well, wow. probably thought he was going to get fired. And how do you clean this up with Kevin? And then you got the Kyrie stuff. And like you, Kirk, you said it best to go from TMZ headline to now is pretty incredible. Well, what I say about the, the Nets front office is they've been steamrolled by Durant and Kyrie and have let that situation completely run amok. And it has routinely caused massive problems. It has not been uh, the, the bastion of great leadership. But one thing I will say about Josiah and Sean Marks is time after time after time, this team was close to breaking into pieces and they kept their hands around it and insisted they're going to keep it together because they had to give it a chance. And in doing that, they had to completely lose their backbone repeatedly. And I'm sure they had many, many days and they may still have them where they felt disgusted about some of the things that they had to do, but the team is, is connected. And they had this whole thing with Udoka where they were going to bring him Udoka in. That was a whole quagmire that they were able to extract themselves from. They put their trust in Jock Vaughn and Jock Vaughn is delivering. Now, the thing about it is, is that this team is not supposed to be in fourth place. They are supposed to be competing at the highest level with the Boston Celtics and the Bucks, and even the Cavs. I'll put, bring up the Cavs because they're in front of them in the standings. Um, ultimately, if this team is, you know, fighting for its life in the first round, uh, it won't have all been worth it. But as you said, Spears, 
there is something to be said for perseverance and keeping it together. And they have done that. And so um, I still don't think it gives anybody a pass for the way this organization has operated for the last few years. Um, uh, but they've stayed in the game. Um, and, you know, they have that, you know, they are a team that I think will ultimately have some problems defensively at the highest levels. Um, Claxton over the weekend said he should be a defensive player of the year candidate. I think he might be a little, little bit, uh, out there on that, but, um, you know, they, they could potentially, um, do something, um, to improve the roster, especially if they could get somebody at the center position with size. They do have a first yeah. round pick that they got from Philly this year that they could trade, um, they have a lot of salary on the roster that they could move around. So they have a little bit of opportunity to also improve. Um, and Brian, and, I'll say this, they, because they've ridden, righted the ship. They also are a team and Kirk, please correct me if you disagree that now at the trade deadline, there's also players that get cut. That could be pretty good players that they could consider joining them as a free agent now. Yeah, a month I ago say, I'd say no, but now yes. I, I think that's correct. And 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 if there's one team in the league that has too much shooting, which is something you'll never hear me say, it's like a baseball team <laughs> with too much pitching. Yeah. Uh, you know, Patty Mills is sitting there getting DNPs. Uh, Seth Curry, one of the best shooters statistically in pro basketball, is is playing six, eight, ten minutes a game recently. Um, they can exchange to Brian's point. I think if you can exchange some of that, that extra shooting for some more muscle, I think that would go a long way in, in helping this team compete with some of the front courts in the Eastern conference. Uh, some of the big physical teams in Milwaukee and Cleveland uh, and in Boston. Uh, Cause right now these guys are skinny. Uh, the, Philly. That, I mean, that, I mean, right. I mean, if, if the season today, they'd be playing Philly in the playoffs. Uh, Joel would be licking his chops. Yeah, this is one of the skinniest teams. I've I, think, I think it's the lightest team in the league. It has to be, right? It has to be. I mean, I haven't done the research, but it has to be. Um, By the way, sign me up for a Brooklyn-Philadelphia best of seven series right now. Absolutely. That would be you know, absolute greatness. You know, when when uh, the Nets came into Philly uh, and Simmons was potentially going to be guarding uh, Embiid, Embiid ended up missing the game. So we'll definitely get to see that matchup at some point. Uh, we, we are tight on time today, but before we go, Spears, you had another story that ran about Donovan Mitchell. You did a Q&A with Donovan Mitchell as he played against last week, uh, or uh, yesterday, I should say, against the Jazz, uh, his first game against them. Those com- The comments that he made to you naturally drew some interest in Salt Lake. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. Now let's talk about the play of the week. 
the pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Particularly because Donovan, I think, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, Spears, but he talked about that it was draining to society at some at times to be there. Can you describe yeah. what he what he talked to you about? Yeah, we, we talked about a wide range of things, uh, including Rudy Gobert and his relationship with him. But in terms of Salt Lake City, um, from a racial standpoint, he said it was draining to him. Uh, you know, he's he's somebody who is definitely strong for equality and social justice. And he said he got a lot of pushback uh, for for being an advocate in that direction in Salt Lake City, uh, including a state senator who once told him, you got to learn your black history better, which definitely didn't sit well with him. Um, and it wasn't just stuff that happened to him that included getting pulled over by the police and them seeing his ID and say, oh, it's Spider. You go. He, he said it was uncomfortable, and then and then yeah. they saw who he was. Yeah, yeah, and then he he mentioned some early like nightmares things about um, a young black girl who was hazed, like a bully who committed suicide, and so he's just saying like all the stuff that happened, like was really hard on him, was draining to him, and he needed. I think he needed a change, and it it the basketball part wasn't what was hard for him was everything off the court, especially since he had been very outspoken about social justice, about wanting change in society and Salt Lake. Uh, apparently there's a lot of people that didn't feel the same. Yeah. Well, this, you know, this, this is over the years, there's been issues around Salt Lake. Obviously people from Salt Lake are defensive. I, you know, I can't speak to what's, I know I've been to Salt Lake a couple dozen times, but, you know, for two days at a time, I don't know what it's really like there. I, you know, I yeah. think it's instructive to listen to somebody. Let me say what you want yeah. about Donovan as a player. You know, I think yeah. he attempted to be genuine as a person when he was with the jazz. Yeah. And I think yeah. in this interview, he's trying to be genuine. Yeah. So, no, it was just his experience. And as, as opposed to being in Cleveland, which is predominantly black. Um, so he, I mean, and I, actually the question about it started with Cleveland like the difference between the two. Uh, but another thing from a basketball standpoint that he said was quite interesting was that it's like me and Rudy are, are fine as people. He said, I'm not saying we're hanging out every day and all that, but I don't have a problem with him. He doesn't have a problem with me. He said, but basketball wise, we just weren't good together. We didn't fit together. Well, they won a lot of games, but they didn't fit. Yeah. You know, they ultimately weren't a perfect fit. And, you know, like his Cleveland team is winning a lot of games right now. You know, they're 10 games over 500. They've won four in a row, eight of 11. They stomped the Jazz. Uh, Donovan had a great shooting night on Monday. It wasn't his best game by far. Didn't have yeah. to be, but he shot the ball great. He only took 12 shots. You know, I think a lot of people thought, oh, man, Donovan's playing the Jazz. He's going to yeah. come in there and try to score 50. He didn't. He played within the flow, did his thing, scored 23. Um, you know, Jared Allen had 20. Um, 
Uh, Chetty Osmond had, had a great game for them. Kirk, the Cavs are um, in third place in the East. They have some flaws in their roster. Um, but they continue to win. Um, they're on a big, long homestand right now, which they're chewing up. They won three straight um, on, I think, a six or seven game homestand. They're winning. Um, Donovan has been terrific for them. Will definitely be an all-star going back to Salt Lake. So he has his return game. I think it's January 10th or 11th. The Cavs started West Coast trip after the new year, and he will be there. And then he will be back for sure in February. Um, you've been bullish on this Cavs team since early November. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't know where you are with it now, uh, but uh, the Cavs are playing well at the moment. Yeah, I love them going back to last year, actually, when their defensive markers started to jump off the page. But when they added Donovan, I was kind of skeptical that they could get it to work. Credit to him and everybody else involved that has work. Uh, the, there's, the good news right now with them is they're number one in pro basketball in the NBA in net rating, which is arguably the most important telling statistic we're deep enough into the year where that tells me something. The thing I'm watching with them is they're going to be great on defense, which is why I've always loved them. Their offense is slipping a little bit. Um, and if there's one number on offense that I'm, I'm worried about, Brian, it goes back to your point about the roster. It's the three-point shooting number. It was unsustainably high at the beginning of the year. They came out scorching. Uh, but in December, I think they ranked 26th in the NBA in both three-point percentage and three-point makes per game. Um, that's not going to cut it. I know you have talked about specifically uh, a limitation on the wing there. I kind of agree. I think this team can start to look at three-point shooting as a target in any personnel moves that, that, they're, that they're thinking of to get better, particularly on offense. The defense is going to be great. It might end up being the number one defense in the league. The question for me is how can they get back to above average in that three-point shooting category, Brian? Yeah, so they were one of the best three-point shooting teams over the first um, three weeks of the season, and it's kind of lifted them. So when you look at their um, uh, when you look at their uh, overall three-point shooting, it doesn't look that bad. It's like, oh, they're in the middle of the pack; they're okay. But as you said, that's carried by some of the early shooting where they just were just hot. Um, and then last night they crushed it from three. They were 15 of 26 from three. So it's like, oh, everything is great, but but it's actually not great. And what happened, what's been happening late in games, teams have been collapsing the paint on them and taking away the lobs to Mobley and, um, and Jared Allen and really packing the paint on Garland. Now they should be getting Ricky Rubio back. Um, you know, we got a couple of guys coming back from ACLs here. We got Joe Ingles back. Uh, Ricky Rubio is targeting around the first of the year. We'll see how everything goes, but in the next few weeks, Rubio expected to come back from his ACL and Danny green swears to me. I talked to him last week. He's getting back from that ACL the regular season. I don't want to put pressure on him. He even told me a time. I'm not going to say what time, but he's very optimistic, but, um, ACL guys from last year are starting to come back. They are Brian, real quick. Yeah. Well, on your point, my little bit of time around the Cavs, they are ecstatic about Rubio's return. Right. Like he well, Rubio, means much more to that franchise than as a, as a leader and as a, a guard coming off to the bench. And I think a lot of people know. Rubio was a huge part of them getting off to a great start last year. And when he got hurt with, he tore his ACL at midseason, that was when they started to struggle a little bit. They struggled in the back half. 
and then didn't make ended up making out of the play and lost two games in the play. And what they're kind of hoping is that when Rubio comes back, they can take Darius Garland off the ball a little bit and Donovan Mitchell, but specifically Garland, because Garland is a guy who is an excellent shooter, but he has to work so hard to create his shot so often. They're hoping that that can be more of a three point weapon, but I don't know. It's hard to say what a guy's going to give you in his thirties coming off an ACL right out of the gate. Uh, now they're excited about Rubio because he looks good in workouts and they're seeing him in practice. I don't know. Um, but you know, that is a factor. The one thing I want to bring up before we go on the Cavs, people in Cleveland are frustrated. Evan Mobley isn't more of a offensive factor. And certainly I think his talent, um, will allow him to be better offensively as the season goes, as his career goes along. You feel his lack of bulk offensively. He gets, when he gets hassled and jostled with the ball, he loses it. He, he struggles at time to create shooting position when he's on the interior. But every game I watch this guy, he does something that is super impressive to me. Whether it's like, throwing like a touch pass with his left hand, his off hand in the paint, whether it's the way he can throw a diagonal bounce pass to a cutting guy on a back door, whether it's like hitting a spot up three, whether it's hitting a turnaround and specifically what he does defensively, the little things that he does defensively, where he puts himself in position, how he knows how to move, how he knows how to negotiate screens, how he's able to bait defenders into forcing blocks. He plays like a 10-year veteran defensively as a 20-year-old, or I don't know if he's turned 21. And that is what you look at. I mean, this is a guy who could be a defensive player of the year. And there are games, guys, where the Cavs get down to it at the end and they badly, badly need a basket and they try to go to Evan and sometimes it just doesn't work. And all the pressure is on the guards and people saying, why isn't he averaging 20 and 10? I think he'll get there. But Kirk, I think Evan Mobley is just fascinating to watch. And he's a huge factor in why they're the number one defense in the league. Yeah, I think just like Milwaukee has Brooke Lopez and then sort of Giannis's free safety, uh, being able to do help side rim protection as needed. Uh, Jared Allen, a huge luxury in the center of that defense, but it allows Evan Mobley, who like Giannis can guard almost any position, anybody in the league on any given possession, uh, to freelance a little bit, a great help side defender, like a young Abaka almost. Um, yeah, he, he's his defensive ceiling is through the roof. Uh, what I, I still am very bullish on his offense too, Brian. But um, yeah, Cavs can't. If, if that's what you're complaining about as a Cavs fan, like, hey, it's been a pretty good couple of years <laughs> compared to where you were two, three years ago today. Uh, you have the number one net rating. You're the third best team in the East, and you look like you're set up to be a contender for years to come. And is well, Mobley's past his ankle injury? I mean, I don't. I mean, he was early season injury. He looks okay to me, but only he probably knows where it's at. Um, but he's he is definitely playing better the last couple of weeks, um, for sure. But check out that Spears story too. Spears with uh, every time we bring Spears on, he's got some good story he just dropped. So I look forward to whatever you're pulling out of the G League oh, showcase. Thanks, man. Thank you, Mr. Spears. Thank you to Kurt Goldsberry. Uh, if you guys, if I don't talk to you, have a great holiday. 
Thank you for listening to the Collective Podcast. We will be back on Friday with the Tims talking about the Christmas Day games. Everybody, good luck with your shopping. We will talk to you soon. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.